came across um, a quote by Viktor Frankl, the great Austrian psychiatrist who was caught up in the Holocaust and wrote such a gem of a book afterwards, Man's um, Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl said, it is the last of the human freedoms, the freedom to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose your own way. And that resonated with me. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because I can't compare losing my home and my things to um, Victor Frankl's losing his entire family and his freedom and nearly his life for so long. Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Sandra Younger, thank you so much for being on Persistence You today. I'm really excited to hear about your 10-year anniversary of your book, but the 20th year anniversary of a very important and life-changing event that kind of bisected who you are today. There was life before, there was life after, and I'm excited to hear about your journey. So thanks for being here all the way from San Diego. Yes, thank you for inviting me. It's a privilege to be here. It's wonderful to have you. I didn't mention this, but when I was like 17, I had a house fire that melted, took everything. Took. It's funny, I was just talking about it this weekend with some friends, but you don't forget a house fire. You just don't. You do not forget, but I've had a, I have a failing to get attached to things now because... When you lose everything, you know it could happen again. So, but what was That's your it. experience? You what was your experience? And how do you come back from something like that? Because you didn't just lose the stuff inside a home. I only lost stuff in my bird, but uh, you lost some real a lot. We did, and so did twenty two hundred and. 31 other families in that particular fire, not to mention a whole bunch more. 13 other fires were going on in Southern California that same period of time, the great fire siege of 2003. And it's almost impossible to wrap my head around the fact that it's already been 20 years. Somebody wow. said, does it seem like a long time ago or does it seem like just yesterday? And I said, both. Seems right. Like both. Right. Right. Yeah. An event like that changes everything. So can you take us back to that and, you know, just to tell us back to a little bit of information? Sure. My husband and I had recently become empty nesters and we'd been living in the suburbs, you know, I moved into a house I didn't really love to make sure my kids got into a school I did love for them. But once you're empty nesters, you don't have to worry about the school districts anymore. So we thought, where do we want to go? Do we want to go downtown, um, get in on the, the vibe there? It was revitalizing at that time, downtown San Diego. It's uh, my area. Or do we want to move out into the country? So we had these two ginormous, shaggy Newfoundland dogs. And we thought, you know, it probably makes more sense to move to the country. So we found this beautiful house with an even more amazing view, sitting on the side of a mountain, um, about half an hour outside of the 
city, city center of San Diego. And we loved it. We loved the view on a clear day, Elizabeth. I can see all the way to Mexico. Wow. It's pretty amazing. And that um, sounds beautiful. Yeah. So, so we grabbed it. It was almost in our price range. So we grabbed it and we moved to the country completely ignorant of the, uh, the dangers that we were moving into. About seven months later, we woke up in the middle of the night to the sight of fire outside our bedroom windows on the other side of the canyon. So we are on the side of the mountain. It goes, drops away to a canyon. And then on the, on the next ridge, there was fire everywhere. So we knew we should have already been out. We grabbed our dogs. We had a little cockatiel. We grabbed her. We grabbed a few photographs. We jumped into the closest car, which happened to be my little Acura sports coupe. It should have been my husband's big suburban SUV, but we could not find the keys to that in our panic. So lesson number one, know where your keys are at night. No. We jumped into my car. We start to drive out. The fire was arriving at the house and there was only way, one way out. And it was down this, down the mountain, right? Down this little steep, skinny sliver of asphalt. I know, you know, now that you're living um, near the mountains of Tennessee, what those roads look like. And right. just as we got to the most treacherous part of this road, we hit the smoke and it was impenetrable. It was like being inside of an airplane and looking out into a thunderhead. You could not see anything. And just at this moment, when we were lost in the smoke, a bobcat, a wild cat jumped into my headlights and then took off. And something in me knew that that cat was on the road I couldn't see and something in me knew to follow it. So wow. I followed the bobcat. And when I got to the point where it had disappeared into the smoke, I could see a little bit more. I could see these two red smears below me that and a dark place in between, which I knew had to be the road. And the smears told me that everything ahead of us was already on fire. So we threaded our way between these two lines of fire, trying my best to stay on the road. And I say we, because my husband was helping me, you know, oh, watch out for this, watch out for that. Don't fall in the ditch. Don't hit the berm. It was about uh, a mile of that. And then we had the great blessing of punching out into clear night. And that is how my husband and I and our two big shaggy Newfoundland dogs and Chelsea, our brainless cockatiel, escaped the cedar fire of October 2003, which became the largest wildfire in California's recorded history, a dubious distinction that lasted 14 years. And wow. now the Cedar Fire is seen as historic because it's been documented as one of the first of a new breed of megafires, the modern megafires that are these enormous and intense um, extreme wildfires we're seeing all over the world. So that is how my journey began and why I needed to learn really quick about resilience. Right. 
where did you live in the interim? I mean, when you leave a home that's on fire, you have nothing. You don't have your toothbrush particularly. You don't have everything melts. It burns. It's gone. You just leave it. I'm so glad your animals were safe. So glad you're. Oh, that was everything to us. You know, I, I didn't care that much about anything else because I had them. Mm -hmm. Um, People ask me, how do you know what to take? And I say, the less time you have, the easier it is. You grab your Mm -hmm. family, including, as my four-year-old granddaughter says, the people with fur or feathers in our case. Um, (laughs) And the rest of it is is stuff. Some of it more precious than others. Some of it's not replaceable. Photographs, family heirlooms. But everything else we discovered was stuff. And where we stayed in the meantime... We had been in our mountain paradise for only seven months. How about that timing, Lizbeth? Mm-hmm. But um, we were all of a sudden back in the suburbs, not in the same neighborhood where we'd started, but uh, some friends of ours were gracious enough to say, you know, we have a rental house. We've been working on it. We're in between tenants. Um, they knew we had these two big dogs and it might be tough to find a rental. And they offered us uh, their their rental house back in the suburbs. So we were there for a little over two years while we rebuilt the house. Good. What did you learn? What were some of the lessons that you took away from this? Because it's a life-changing event. For me personally, I found that I had a long, hard history with sleep after that because I I just always felt like I was going to leave something on and the next place would burn again. And did you have any subsequent anxieties or triggers, things like that? We did. We did. Uh, We had trouble with sleep for a little while. We had trouble with flashbacks. I would see, uh, and it was late October, um, early November by then. And I would see leaves scuttling across the road in front of me as I drove. And, and I would, I would just read, be reminded of the flames that were just snaking across the road. We went to a psychiatrist. We just checked ourselves in and we said, look, um, he had been referred to us or we had been referred to him. And we said, we've just been through something pretty gnarly. We have no idea what it's done to us. We have no idea what the road back is supposed to look like. And we just don't want to get stuck somewhere along the way, not any more than we wanted to drive off the side of the mountain um, Mm -hmm. in the fire. And so he helped us so much by, he did give us some ambient for a little while to help us sleep, but, but he helped us normalize our responses, you know, normal responses to an abnormal situation, which I know a lot of your listeners can relate to Mm -hmm. whatever you're feeling after something like that, whatever your adversity or your challenge or your loss is, whatever you're feeling is valid, whatever you're feeling is normal. And I do encourage people to ask for help when they need it and, and not, not be too proud, you know, not say, oh no, we're good. Because I do believe that helped us tremendously we went to see him for a few months and then he said, you're fine. Get out of here. But of course we weren't quite fine because something like that does draw a line right down the middle of your life uh, into before and after. And so the lessons we took from it started right away. You learn very quickly. You are not your stuff. You think that's a beautiful thing in our culture, especially we are not our stuff. 
we're so attached to our stuff. We're so attached to our palatial homes that, you know, kings of past eras couldn't dream of. Um, our technology, we're, we're attached to all of that. And when all of that is stripped away, there's you and you're still you. And you think, how can I still be me? I still feel kind of like getting older. Like, how can I be this age? I still feel totally me, right? Right. So you learn you are not your stuff any more than you are your age. And um, the biggest lessons I learned were in the area of resilience. Mm-hmm. I did not even know there was uh, such a thing as the discipline of positive psychology, much less the subdiscipline of resilience, much less the subcategory of post-traumatic growth, which is when we can use um, the difficulty to springboard us into a richer, more generative, uh, more compassionate and giving life than we knew before. So where I learned that was I came across, I do not remember how I came across it, but I came across um, a quote by Viktor Frankl, the great Austrian psychiatrist who was caught up in the Holocaust and wrote such a gem of a book afterwards, Man's um, Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl said, it is the last of the human freedoms, the freedom to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose your own way. And that resonated with me. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because I can't compare losing my home and my things to um, Victor Frankl's losing his entire family and his freedom and nearly his life for so long. Um, And yet it resonated. So it made me wonder, Elizabeth, if Maybe the steps in coming back from any adversity were the same, no matter the adversity. And I was a career journalist. I knew how to research. So I started digging into this and I found out it's true. There are certain steps, common sense, and yet powerful steps that anyone can take in almost any situation to build our personal resilience like a muscle. I would have told you resilience was a static entity that... um, You were born with a certain amount of it. And some people were just naturally more resilient than others. There may be a kernel of truth there, but the bigger truth is that resilience is a skill set that we can learn and practice and build just like we build muscles when we go to the gym. And that's what I began looking into. I found all of these scientific studies that identified what these steps were and there were a lot of them so i boiled them down into just five buckets and i wrote this little booklet whoops can you see no you can't see i have to hold it here now i can see it perfect yeah okay and it's called the title the comeback formula a resilience system guidebook and i wrote this one especially for disaster survivors but um the principles are solid and applicable and effective for anyone. So I'm happy to share those with you if we have an opportunity. Also, we wanted to say- Available for free at your website, is it not? Available for free at my website, sandrayounger.com. And just scroll down until you see this and there's a download button and you can get um, a free PDF of the Comeback Formula um, guidebook. Excellent. Thank you. That's helpful. So- as you were learning about resilience, which I love that the first thing you did was reach out for help, because I think that is 
one of the most important things that people don't tell themselves, well, I don't really need it. Oh, I'm going to be fine. Oh, time heals all wounds. Really right. doesn't. One so, of the five steps is accept help. Be tough enough to ask for it when you need it. I think that's a great step. And it does take a lot of courage and humility to do that first step. And then what comes next? Well, that's in the middle. So what comes okay. first is come, the word come in the comeback formula is my reminder to come to gratitude okay. because gratitude is, um, <laughs> as we say in Sunday school, covers a multitude of sins, right? If we can be grateful, we can find something to be grateful for. However small it is, it keeps us from getting stuck in this quicksand of bitterness and blame. And it starts the healing and the growth process. So whatever it is, you know, like I'm grateful that I have these drugstore readers because my other glasses broke and now I can still read. Find something small, but maybe not so small to be grateful for. There are hundreds, if not thousands of studies on the power of gratitude. So that's step one. And then we go through the other four, B-A-C-K, believe you're resilient, believe you can, you can overcome this adversity because resilience is in our DNA. It's the way of the world. It's why winter turns into spring and yet be patient. So B really goes two ways, be patient and believe that you are resilient Deep wounds do not heal overnight, as we know, but they can heal. So that's where patients came in. I wanted to be back home in my beautiful new house in the canyon immediately, but I had to rebuild it. And that took a couple of years. A is the one we've already talked about. Accept the help that people offered you, offer you and ask for help when you need it. I love the story of the hero's journey. Do you know that story? Mm -hmm. where, you want to give uh, it a quick paraphrase? Yes. Yes. Um, yes, hero's journey uh, is a term coined by uh, the great mythologist Joseph Campbell, who looked at all of these pivotal stories from all over the world, uh, all different cultures, all different times. And he found they were all basically the same story, which is the same story we see in all these blockbuster movies where there's a hero like Luke Skywalker or uh, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz or Katniss Everdeen in Hunger Games or, or uh, Harry Potter. And they're an everyday person called out of their everyday world to take on a big quest. They almost are killed in the process. And yet they overcome the, um, the obstacle. They slay the dragon or Voldemort or whatever. And they come back to the village victorious, having saved the village. We see this in every blockbuster. We also see that every one of these heroes has a mentor or guide like Obi-Wan or Glinda the Good Witch. Um, or um, Harry Potter's Dumbledore, right? And they have a posse. They have these friends who help them. So to be a successful hero requires accepting help and asking when you need it. Yeah. Yes. Building like and to, maintaining community. That's right. And that is um, that is part of that, is connection and community. And then the C is to choose your response as Victor Frankl says I like to say choose your story you can be a victim if you want to be and I saw people who made that choice regardless of how much they had lost 
they may have lost one man only his garage his detached a garage and he was more bitter than people who had lost loved ones and family members so choose your story do you want to be a victim people will call you that or sandra the fire victim you can choose to be a survivor and survivors have this funny way of turning into thrivers and givers and even world changers and then the last one is k just keep moving forward even if it's just a tiny little step at a time, keep moving forward and celebrate every success. And those are the steps that are proven through science and experience to build personal resilience like a muscle. Love it. That's wonderful. So people, if they're interested in getting it, can go for free and grab their download at your website, sandrayounger.com. And what are you doing now on the 20th anniversary-ish of the fire and the 10th anniversary of your book coming out? Because you've had a little struggle there that you've gotten to engage in. I did, right. I had to overcome that. Um, my original publisher did not want to relaunch the book on the 20th anniversary, um, despite my explanation of why the Cedar Fire is now more relevant than ever. It's now seen as, uh, as I mentioned, as a bellwether of this new fire regime we're seeing all over the world that is uh, largely influenced by changes in our climate. So I said, okay, um, how about giving me my rights back? And we worked that out and I was able to relaunch my book as a 20th anniversary edition um, on the 20th anniversary of the fire, which was October 25th. So also on my website, you can find this updated version of the fire outside my window with a new introduction where I really position the fire as it's now seen as a, um, as a benchmark in fire and climate history. And I also, Elizabeth, have become a certified professional coach and am working with um, disaster survivors I also work with communities, uh, fire um, and risk, risk. Um, what do we call it? High risk communities in helping them become ready for disasters. And I work with um, a lot of emergency managers, especially firefighters. I love the fire community. They've been fantastic to me in discovering my book and inviting me to speak to many of their conferences and gatherings. So I decided I needed to get with the program and become professional at um, working with other people and um, just supporting them as a partner as they travel through their comeback journeys, whatever they may be, and as they build personal resilience. Love it. That is terrific. And I think it's so fantastic that you took this into your own hands and you didn't say, okay, darn, my publisher doesn't care anymore. It's been 20 years. And I, I I don't blame you for feeling that way. And I understand the publishing world, they can't afford to care for old books. They just, I mean, after your book's three to six months old, they're like, next. <laughs> so next, they're on to the next for thing. you for not giving up because- Well, thank you. That only matters if, you know, the age of your book matters most to Barnes and Noble and brick and mortar bookstores. Yeah. Well, you know what happened with them. They're they're not that populated, unfortunately. So the good news is you've got your rights back. You've got a new book cover and you're reinventing it and showing how it's relevant today. So that's wonderful. It's yes. evergreen. 
it is evergreen and I wanted to um, republish it in order to position it that way instead of like it. letting it letting the old book just sit out there as you know an old story about a long ago fire that has no relevance to any of these more extreme fires we're seeing today it right. it was a bellwether it is more relevant than ever um so i'd like to say to other writers out there believe in the power of your story sometimes a story will choose you and you can't get away from it until you do right by that story so whatever it takes i never thought 20 years after the fire i would still be talking about this story but um, sometimes what you're meant to do just falls into your lap or lands on your head or something dramatic. <laughs> I like comes along and burns your house down to get your attention. Right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Definitely, definitely not ignore those signs. And you no. responded to it and, you know, you kind of got custody back of your book baby. So that's excellent. <laughs> It feels good. I will say it feels good. And I do work with a lot of other writers as a writing mentor. I lead a writer's retreat in Tuscany. And uh, and I try to share with them my experience. I do understand why people want to go through the agent and the publisher route. So did I. Mm -hmm. I was a professional writer as a journalist. And I thought I should be able to get an agent and a publisher. And I did. Um, but no one will ever believe in your book and love your book and understand the purpose of your story more than you. And it's all about marketing. You can learn to do that yourself or find um, competent consultants to help you with that more so than, than a publisher probably. And I think that's marketing. something that's an important message because I think there's still a small percentage of people who believe that if they only got a traditional publishing deal, all that stuff would be taken care of for them. And that's just no longer true. There are, it's not true. Not, they, they do right, not send you on boat tours. They do not right. put you on Oprah or Fresh Air. Um, yes. You've got to do all of that yourself. Right, right. And we know that unless, unless Elizabeth, you're Kim Kardashian, and you have a giant platform, then you can write anything and you'll get published, because they know yes. they can sell it. It's a very small minority of people to do that. And even, I, I remember reading this. I, I love the young singer, Billie Eilish, but she's just oh, yeah. well-loved, an amazing, amazing voice. She has a ton of social media followers, very pop, very important in the book publishing world, at least at some point. So she got an amazing book advance and a book deal for her memoir that nobody read. And so it's just a reminder that, you know, it's it's hard for everyone, but good for you for fighting for it. And if it's an important story to connect with other people, that's what really matters in the end. So congratulations. Thank Where you. can people find out more about how to work with you or read your book? Again, at my website, sandrayunker.com. They can contact me about speaking, about personal coaching, leadership coaching. They can find the link to purchase my book, and they can download their free PDF of the comeback formula. All of that Absolutely in one place, free. sandrayounger.com. Nice. That sounds wonderful. I can't thank you enough. And I really appreciate you being here today on Persistence You, Sandra. Such a pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing, because it's all about the persistence. Keep moving <laughs> forward, right? My pleasure. And that, my friends, was a fun interview, but also 
uh, I think that you have some things that will be helpful for you at some point in your life if you if it hasn't happened already. Her takeaway, her giveaway rather, is at her website. So please don't hesitate to go to her website, get your freebie. And it is important as we end this year of 2023 to really think about the choices we make as we move forward, even if people are against doing, if you're against doing uh, New Year's resolutions, we all run into hardship, just like uh, our guest was talking about. We all choose how we respond. We may have less access to resources. We may have less uh, things going for us in the way of resources, but we still ultimately have some choices about how we respond. So I'm excited about her message. And I feel like this next year, how about you? I want to know what is it? It's either what is it that you want to be over this next year that will be different? Or is there something you want to put into your daily practice? Maybe you want to journal. Maybe you want to get a little healthier. Maybe you want to stop doing so much. For me, I really, 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 I said this last year when the podcast was coming out right before the new year, and it was very, very important to be intentional. I want to celebrate the efforts in life more than I celebrate the outcomes. I want to try hard for my life, but I don't want to just hit a magical number or a magical goal and celebrate that. I want to be grateful that I have the ability to, you know, set an intention and move forward whenever possible. So that did, that was kind of a good theme for last year. This next year, I told this to my newsletter list. And by the way, if you're not on it, why not? I'm at lameredith.com and I send monthly, if not a little bit more emails to my listeners and readers of stuff that I write. I am all about doing a little less this year, maybe not working at 150% capacity and actually learning to ha have a little more humor and lightness about the things that are that life throws us that can be very disappointing or some setbacks. Just want to take a different view of how to think out of the box and be a little more calm and light. That's it not stressed to the max. So already starting with my intention set, had an opportunity to set some limits in places where I haven't before. What will you do? Let me know, write me back. And as ever, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, share it with a friend and join me on email or at my social media and have a wonderful holiday season wherever you are. Thanks so much for being here. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.